Welcome back to Analyze Asia, a podcast dedicated to dissecting the pulse of technology, business, and media in Asia. Now, I am your host, Carol, and today we have a very special guest who is both an old friend of mine personally and an old friend of the show. And her name is Rayma. She is the creator and host of the podcast Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, produced by Sub China. So, welcome, Ray. Hi, good to be here. Good to be here, Carol. So, since you've last appeared on the show, what have you been up to? Yeah, I think that was a while ago, and I think that was, if I remember correctly, was on Neo or something. It was on electric vehicles. That's right. Well, I've been to a lot of things, so I've been deepening my work in China tech, as Carol said. I do have my own podcast called Tech Bus China. We led an invite-only group of public market investors to China last October, and we had a ton of meetings, met with a lot of interesting companies, including the one we're discussing today. And then, very recently, we actually also launched a pay newsletter. So it's really for people who are serious tech enthusiasts about China tech and also public market investors. And it's called Tech Buzz Extra Buzz. And we will drop a link for those of you who are interested in checking out both the podcast as well as the newsletter. So Ray mentioned we're going to talk about Bilibili, as you can probably tell from the title of the podcast. And now Bilibili is one of my personal favorite video sites, probably the favorite among all the Chinese options that we have here. And we're going to talk about Bilibili specifically because, and you, Ray, probably also experienced this a few months back when we were turning the page to the start of the new decade. Bilibili held this New Year's Eve show that blew up. Right, my WeChat was just filled with people sharing different segments of the show, and you know, talking about how great it was. Did you probably experience that too? Right. Oh、uh, yeah. Well, not as much as you because I am a lot older, so my peer group <laughs> is not as big a fan of Billy Billy、uh, as probably yours is. But、uh, I did see a lot of mentions of the show and how it really was the most popular event of its type for a tiding over. Yeah, for the New Year's Eve events. Yeah, that's right. I was looking at the stats on their website where you can still view the show. It was live streamed and then later available as just like a A video format is three videos actually, and in total, it gathered about eighty-eight point five million views with two point nine million like bullet comments, which are these comments that you can see on the screen. And then it had a rating on the Bilibili site of nine point nine, given by seventy-eight thousand people, which is really high. And even on Douban, which is another site where people usually go to rate all sorts of shows, it had a nine point two rating versus probably Hunan TV is one of the other most popular. Destinations to view these type of New Year galas. It only had a rating of 5.4, so you can kind of imagine the difference in popularity and the quality of the show. So let's talk about the origin story of Billy Billy. Now, how has it become a platform for fans or for young people who are interested in certain niches, such as, for example, anime in China? Yeah, sure. So I can give everyone a brief overview. So, like Carol said, Billy Billy is really started off as a site that was catering towards an audience that was especially interested in anime. And the reason for that is because if you look back a decade plus ago in China, when online video was just starting to come into vogue,、uh, this is sort of 2007, 2008. There were a lot of online video sites. You know, your Tudos, Yokus, etc. were all founded around then. 
but none of them catered to this audience that was specifically interested in anime, manga, you know, sorts of like Japanese cultural shows. And so, so basically fans of this particular genre had nowhere to go. And what happened was they aggregated together and formed their own site. The first site of the sort that was very popular was actually called AC Fun. And that stands for Anime Comics or AC Fun. That was sort of the first site that was dedicated to this. And actually, one of the founders, Billy Billy, was a very early power user of this site. And for a very long time, Billy Billy was actually uh, sort of composed of fans of AC Fun. Their nickname at the time was basically the backyard of AC Fun. <laughs> but ultimately, AC Fun had a lot of operational issues. And that's basically when the founder of Billy Billy, this guy, or really to me, a little kid, because he's only 31 this year, called Xu Yi, came out uh, along with a couple other friends and started Billy Billy because they were unhappy with the you know quality of, of the website AC Fun because of various bandwidth issues, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk a little bit about the founders of Billy Billy, because I think there is an interesting story there as well, right? So the interesting part about Billy Billy is that, you know, she at the time, like I, j- I just told you guys, he's only 31 this year. He was very young and he had just graduated college. And actually, he was getting involved in all this stuff while he was in school. So he really didn't have any real world experience and didn't have any business sense. He came from like a sort of well-to-do family, but it wasn't like he was so loaded he could fund everything by himself. What happened was, luckily for Billy Billy, there was this uh, other older, more experienced person named Chen Rui, you know, spelled R-U-I. And he basically... Just like your name. Just like my name, yes. (laughs) And he was an angel investor at the time. And he is sort of more my age, right? So he's post-80s kid versus she is almost... He's born in 1989, almost post-90s. And Chen Rui was a hardcore anime fan. And what happened was that he saw Billy Billy and he wanted to actually make his own version. Because Billy Billy at this point is very young. He was just like really, really interested in leaving the company he was at and, and starting... also an animation website. And then when he went to his friends, his friend who is a much more accomplished entrepreneur basically said, well, Ray, why do you want to do that? Why don't you just like angel invest instead? Because this is a very high risk proposition. And plus you have a very good job. And it's true. Chen Ray at the time had a very good job. He was part of the original uh, Kingsoft mafia. I don't know if everyone's familiar, but basically out of that mafia or out of out of that company was birthed, you know, Lei Jun and subsequently Xiaomi and a bunch of other related companies. Chen Rei had a really, you know, great career going for him. He had this overwhelming love for animation. He decided to go and seek out the founders of Billy Billy. He took his friend's advice. So instead of making a competitor on his own on the side, he angel invested. And he basically stuck with the company and was really, really instrumental in uh, getting Billy Billy uh, scaled up. And at one point, he actually quit his job and decided to join full-time and is now the CEO uh, of the company. And basically, I think like for most of the industry, everyone believes that if Chen Rui didn't join, Billy Billy probably would have suffered the same fate as AC Fun. AC Fun, very unfortunately, even though it 
was the first one and it had a lot of traction, had a lot of fans, and it had a lot of really interesting innovations, including that bullet screen thing that you talked about earlier, the, the bullet comments. It just wasn't able to survive because it didn't get the right sort of business guidance and didn't get, you know, funding in time, etc. So Chen Rei, with his expertise and his background and his connections in the startup world, was really able to prop up Billy Billy to the business it is today. So talking about the business of Billy Billy, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about their monetization models, maybe? Yeah, of course I can. So a lot of times Billy Billy, actually, if you go visit with the management and, and if you read their presentations, they'll try to compare themselves to YouTube. But if you think about YouTube and YouTube being a primarily advertising-driven platform, that's actually not how Billy Billy works. So Billy Billy is still a company that it's actually not dependent on, on advertising much at all. What it is right now is that it's about 50% revenue from gaming. And that was a sort of accident when they discovered that one of the uh, popular games that was actually inspired by a comic, uh, a biographic novel. So it's it's very much in tune with the same audience, you know, that consume Billy Billy content. They decided to license the game and become the exclusive distributor in China. That game was called Fate Grand Order. That happened to be just one of the best-selling games ever for that genre. And so even today, four years later, it still makes up about 50% of Billy Billy's revenues. And if you're curious how much that is, well, that's about $130 million per quarter. So Billy Billy is still making quite a bit of money from that game and a few other games, but still primarily from that game. And then as for the rest of the sort of 50%, half of that, so about 25% of their revenues is coming from live broadcasting and value-added services. And then the remaining is split between advertising and e-commerce. So unlike, you know, YouTube, which it compares itself to a lot, uh, it's actually like like I've just said, um, less about only one eighth coming from advertising its revenues. When it went public, though, what's really interesting is that when Billy Billy went public a year and a half ago, it was actually primarily deriving its revenues from gaming. The management has done a lot to diversify its revenue streams so that it is not so reliant on gaming and especially not on that one franchise alone. Uh, and we see a lot of effort of the business to, you know, make more money off of what we would think is sort of maybe more natural for a content business. So the broadcasting, advertising, and then also monetizing its audience through e-commerce. So anime and similar branded products. You talked a lot about their efforts in gaming or esports, and I know that they've vamped up their efforts since 2016 as well to go into other games. Can we talk a little bit about that? How much have they really done in in this space? You know, other than the game that you've mentioned. So aside from the you know New Year's Gala that they were in the news for that we talked about at the beginning of the show, another thing that were they were also you know in the headlines for was buying the exclusive rights to distribute the League of Legends championships in China. And they spent a lot of money on this, so over $100 million for the rights for the next few years. This is something that a lot of people were surprised by, not necessarily because, you know, that they spent so much money on these rights. Esports is huge in China, right? We're talking about over half of 
the audience globally is in China. But it's the fact that, you know, Billy Billy was able to win against the several other publicly listed esports dedicated companies like Huya, Douyu, etc. So they are definitely making a lot of moves in this area. And I think, Carol, you can probably add more on some of the other things they've done, like buying of teams etc. That's right. So in 2017, they purchased a League of Legends team that was called I Am and now has been renamed to Billy Billy Gaming. And Billy Billy Gaming has been competing since the season eight of the League of Legends World Championship. But unfortunately, they haven't really placed uh, yet. And then also next year in 2018, they also purchased a team in the Overwatch League. And that's another really popular game, although not as popular as League of Legends. And they are also taking part. So that Overwatch team is also taking part in the 2019 seasons. So they have bought their own teams to compete and as well as, you know, acquiring the the rights to distribute like you, you talked about. Maybe we can just mention really briefly here that one of the main reasons why they bought the championships was because last year over 100 million people watched the League of Legends championships, including a peak of over 44 million concurrent viewers. And for those of you who are not as familiar with esports and who might know a bit more about football, well, the Super Bowl in 2020 drew an audience of about 102 million. So the audience size is pretty comparable, and you can get a sense of the actual popularity of the championship in Asia and around the world. And Ray, you mentioned YouTube earlier when you're talking about the monetization model for Billy Billy. Are there any other major differences or similarities that you see between Billy Billy and YouTube in the US? Because YouTube is really the most popular video site in North America and around the world, whereas here in China, we have a quite a few options other than Billy Billy. There's still Yoku, there's still ITE as well. I think. One of the reasons why, you know, Billy Billy itself likes to compare itself to YouTube, several really good reasons, right? So yeah, you mentioned IT, Yoku, et cetera, but they're really known more for their professional content. And so while Billy Billy is also known for having a lot of uh, shows that they've licensed and bought the rights to, including all the anime, et cetera, what's unique about it is that it also is a place where a lot of user-generated content resides, especially some of the most creative, I would say, memeable, you know, viral content on the internet for Chinese users. So in that sense, Billy Billy really has probably one of the most concentrated communities of creatives making video content, uh, and I would call it a semi-professional content because a lot of the content is several minutes long. They require a lot more editing. There's, for example, there's this whole category, which is basically like auto-tuned videos that are actually pretty complex to edit. So they're different from, you know, let's say the 15-second short videos you see on a TikTok or something. So a lot of analysts will actually call the these types of videos sort of professional user-generated contents. And Billy Billy has a really high concentration of this type of creatives. And it's basically, I, I would say, the source for where a lot of these videos make their way into the 
consciousness of you know the Chinese internet users. I don't know how to say this like elegantly, <laughs> but basically, it's the source of a lot of memes. Agreed, and I think you really hit something that's core to why people go on Billy Billy. It's because of all the original content that you really can't find anywhere else. Just like how, because of the rise of content creators on YouTube, the word YouTuber became a thing, right? That is a profession. You know, you can become a YouTuber and can aspire to become a YouTuber. And in China, for Bilibili, if you upload onto Bilibili, then you're called an upju, which literally means an like uploader. And that term is specifically only or used to only refer to those who upload onto Bilibili because that's where most of the original content came from. And we mentioned just a little bit about the bullet comments. Would you like to maybe just explain it just a little bit more to our audience? Because it's not really a feature that is available on YouTube. So our audience might not necessarily be so familiar with what we call danmu uh, in Chinese. Basically, like we were saying earlier, you know, the founding team Bilibili were originally really involved at AC Fun and actually AC Fun copied this demo, this bullet chat, bullet screen, whatever you want to translate it as from a Japanese website called Nico Nico, which actually still exists today and is doing really well. It's like a top 10 website in Japan. But basically, the way the bullet chat works is very simple. So it's basically an overlay of your comments. So instead of imagine instead of in YouTube, you know, where all the user comments are below the video, you can basically have your comments show up on top of the video at the time of the video that you want it to coincide with. Yeah, and I think that makes it very, very interesting because it might be like an hour long content and your comment specifically only applies to maybe like one minute and 30, right? Right there. Whereas in the YouTube comments, people will actually have to specifically cite a reference to a frame of time in the video. Whereas if you're watching Billy Billy, people's comments is just gonna show up whenever they want to show up. And that really adds to the viewing experience. And I know that a lot of people actually watch certain shows or certain videos to enjoy the comments on top of the video. So that's like an, an added on experience, you know? And now uh, all the other Chinese websites have also uh, copied this feature. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. It makes it a lot more interactive, basically, because it feels like you're watching the video with a bunch of other people. That's right. It's almost like you have a bunch of online friends who you're watching it with and they provide really funny comments. And Billy Billy also actually releases the most popular phrases that come up in these bullet comments uh, on a yearly basis. And for the year 2019, the phrase or the, the key word is an acronym. It's A-W-S-L. Do you know what that stands for, Ray? Or do you know what that means? A-W-S-L. Yeah. Yeah, and it means, oh, what's the right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and can you tell the non-Chinese speaking listeners, what does that mean? The phrase, ah, oh, what's the <laughs> It just basically means this slays me. That's right. It's like when, <laughs> when we say, oh, I'm dead. I'm That's dead. Right. But like, I'm dead. Because yeah, yeah. it's so funny or it's so overwhelming in some way that you're like overwhelmed with emotions. Oh, I'm dead. It's literally, ah, what's la? Ah, I, I died. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. And a lot of other lingos are generated from Billy Billy as well and then spread to the wider popular culture or the wider society, like you mentioned. I think another really interesting and fun aspect of Billy Billy is the 
registration process to be on the site. I know it's slightly different from some of the other social media sites, such as Facebook and WeChat. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, so most social networks or, or video websites or whatever, like whichever website we generally talk about, they're always trying to simplify, right, the registration process because they want as many users as possible. We're always trying to, you know, make the onboarding process very simple. Billy Billy, because of the way it started, it was really this very sort of self-identified community of anime nerds. They really wanted to protect the people that come into their community and considered it, you know, it was a very close-knit community. So in order to sort of filter out people that they didn't think would fit, they basically had this very, very difficult, almost like an entrance exam that you had to pass in order to be let in as a member. That exam still exists today. It's considerably less difficult, but it's still uh, 100 questions. You need to pass 60. You basically need to answer 60 of them correctly in order to become sort of a full member. And I would say, yeah, like the questions are pretty difficult. I was able to pass it on my first try, but it took me probably an hour and a half. And I did a lot of Googling because the questions are highly specific, right? We're talking about like asking you what is the song that's playing on a certain, you know, season finale of a certain show that they think, you know, many of the users would have watched. So very specific things like that. Wow, that does sound very difficult. So you basically had like an open book exam where you had to take the time <laughs> to fill it out. Yeah, pretty much because there's no way. I mean, you could choose categories, right? So yeah, I picked tech and entertainment. So some of the tech ones I knew. and But even the tech ones had really random trivia, like, you know, like who invented this? What was the year this software was released or something like that, right? So some of them, I mean, it is multiple choice. It's not fill in. So it's not the hardest thing. But given that, you know, most registration processes, as we were saying earlier, try to be like as simple as possible. This is the most complex thing I've ever had to do in order to basically, you know, view some funny videos. Yeah, it's like Jeopardy, but for nerds kind of thing. That's that's pretty funny. <laughs> I know that Billy Billy has done some interesting partnerships. For example, the New Year's Eve gala that we talked about actually was a partnership with Xinhua News Agency. What are some of the other partnerships that they have done that you found interesting? Well, first of all, I think that's really worth noting just because Xinhua is a state-owned media and it's like really like the farthest thing that you could think of from the sort of alternative, really hip, really like cool kids that are on Billy Billy, really, you know, creative, right? Another thing is, well, just like Xinhua, right? Like the state-owned media, CCTV, they launched an official account. CCTV, for example, launched an official account on Billy Billy, which I also thought was interesting. That's not quite a partnership, but they did it with sort of this like, not quite cool, but they did try to do it in a rap style to, I think, appeal to the users of Billy Billy. Other cooperations that I think are maybe more expected would be Tesla, right? Tesla now is going to be just announced that they're going to be in Installing Billy Billy and all their vehicles. So you would be able to, it's going to come as a default app, I believe, is the partnership. So yeah, if you order a Cybertruck, it will be available. You can watch Billy Billy in your Cybertruck. So, and then I think another major one is Billy Billy and Taobao. Basically, they announced, so so actually Alibaba invested in Billy Billy. Billy Billy is one of the few companies that have both Alibaba and Tencent as investors. One of the things that they announced recently was that Billy Billy and Taobao will have this partnership where 
where Billy Billy creators can sort of, you know, create merchandise and, and sell them on Taobao. Like I said earlier, when we're talking about the monetization model of Billy Billy, that's already showing up, right? E-commerce is now something like 12-13% of the total revenues. I think in large part to the collaboration with Taobao and the efforts they've made to try to make money off of the merchandise of some of these creative efforts from their users. And do you think this Billy Billy model where it's a video site but not too reliant on advertising but instead have multiple revenue streams, if that model can be exported to other countries like the US, India, or Southeast Asia, or are there already examples of similar models out there? Well, I think it depends really on what you think its model primarily is, right? So if if you just strictly look at it where it's making money, then it looks like half of a gaming company. And clearly there are many, many gaming companies that do well and make money, right? But if you think of Billy Billy as sort of this community where there are young people and who are very creative, making original content and uploading it, and and then now we're starting to see them also monetize it through live streaming and e-commerce, etc., then that's something that actually I would argue we see other companies do as well, like, you know, the short video companies. I would not say that Billy Billy has a unique model that cannot be replicated elsewhere. I think what is unique about it, though, is basically how loyal and how dedicated its user base has been throughout all these years, right? So earlier, like we had mentioned that Chen Rei came in and really scaled up the company. But even after he came in, the company didn't make money for a very long time. I mean, it had like a fraction of the revenues it had now just five, six years ago before it stumbled upon gaming. So it really built up so much goodwill with its users that its users were really were very patiently awaiting for it to come, for it to come up with a business strategy. And I think that's actually pretty rare. I think a lot of the, or a lot of the headlines I, I remember seeing a couple years ago was that if, for example, Billy Billy ever ran into financial trouble, its users were like more than happy to like donate to make sure its operations ran because they were just so dedicated. Uh, They just felt identified so much with this community that they wanted to make sure it continued to exist and be successful. And I think that's something that Again, that that also can be replicated, but that's actually the hardest part. And I think that's the heart of, of Billy Billy. That kind of loyalty, that level of loyalty is definitely very hard to duplicate or to cultivate, I think. So, Ray, do you watch anything on Billy Billy or do you have anyone that you follow on Billy Billy? Basically, I would say, no, actually. So I would say for me, you know, honestly, I'm almost 40. Like, I do. I am on Billy Billy for researching stuff. And most of the time I encounter Billy Billy content, honestly, is through other websites like WeChat articles or whatever. That's basically talking about this or that meme. And then when I click through, I'll often see that some of the most interesting content that I encounter are actually hosted on Billy Billy and, and made by Billy Billy uh, Updrew. So I, I that's basically my interaction with it. I work with university students in a nonprofit, and I do know Billy Billy is much more uh, popular with them and that they do use it a lot. So I am not part of the target audience of Billy Billy, though. Understood. Like I said earlier, the Billy Billy is my 
favorite site out of all of the video sites that exist in China. So uh, that is my go-to site unless something is exclusively available on another site. And I actually have friends who are upju or who are the, they post stuff on Bilibili and some of them actually have a significant amount of following. Is there anything else that you would like to add about the company? Well, I would say Bilibili, I think... The, the one notable thing I think about the company is that even though earlier, you know, we had said about how its users have been really patient and are very loyal, I do sense some tension coming up. So because the company has been around for such a long time, over 10 years, in many, you could say right now it's doing very well, but in some ways, right, like half of the revenue is still coming from gaming. People are still like, well, that's not really what you're necessarily known for, you know, on the internet. How do you better monetize like what you're actually sort of well known for, right? And I think the Billy Billy has been sort of slow and deliberate about that process. But as of Last year, Chen Rui has actually really come out and said that we're going to speed up as a company. We're a publicly listed entity. You know, we've been around a while. We're actually going to really focus on growth now. So far, I haven't seen them do anything that has pissed off their users in their efforts to monetize. But I would be less surprised now that they've openly said that they're going to focus on growth more if they do something that might be, you know, not that might basically piss off their users. Right. And I would like to also add that, I mean, we've all heard of people who make their career out of YouTube or they make a living from YouTube. But honestly, I haven't really heard this type of success stories with people who upload onto Bilibili. You know, people who um, are big on Bilibili, often they divert their traffic to other sites like Weibo or like Taobao or other places where then they can monetize. And so I, I do think monetization is something that it's a problem that they need to solve eventually. All right. So that is the end of our conversation on Bilibili. And if you want to learn more about the topic, that Tech Buzz China has also done an episode in the past. So be sure to check them out. And before I let you go, right? Is there anything that you want to recommend to our audience that has inspired you recently or lately? I recently just finished and I highly recommend the book Range by Jeffrey Epstein, which talks about how having a multidisciplinary approach and basically being diversified in multiple subject matters actually help you come upon more innovative and creative ideas. That was actually a bestseller last year and I, I finally read it. I thought it was uh, really good. That sounds really interesting. Last but not least, how can my audience find you? Easiest way to find me is on Twitter. My handle is R-U-I-M-A. Uh, or else you can also find me on our website. Or you can also go to our website and find us. We just launched a website. It's called techbuzzchina, all one word, dot com. And you can find us on Twitter as well at Analyze Asia. That is Analyze with an S. And you can find my personal handle on the Analyze Asia Twitter page as well. And for more episodes of Analyze Asia, we are available on all podcast platforms, iTunes podcast, SoundCloud, on all of the uh, podcast platforms where podcasts are played. And see you next time. Bye-bye. And thank you so much for coming, Ray. Awesome. Thanks.